spoken language. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you, though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Label. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, spokenlabel.bandcamp.com. On the Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled, if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast. Enjoy. Spoken Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Able, back in the house. And I've got a very, very special podcast tonight because a couple of people know, and quite a lot of people don't know, that I actually suffer from dyspraxia and dyslexia. And it's something I've never really talked about in work before, but it's something I probably should. But I've got a writer with me today. Uh, Sam, who is actually advertising for the Dyslexic Poet. And I've been following her work for a good few years now. And now I'm still in technical lockdown stage at the moment. Just give me a chance to speak to writers like Sam. Tell them, let her hear their story. So I want to hear this story because she's got quite a fascinating story to tell here. So Sam, do you want to start right from the beginning? Because I know you told me off mic, you've been writing this into a wee nipper, haven't you? So start from there and we'll work our way forward Okay, yeah, hello everyone, and it's an honour to be here. Thank you, Andy. Um, yeah, basically, I started writing from the age of seven, but writing wasn't particularly great because I couldn't really read and write very well because of my um, dyslexia. But at the time, I didn't know I was dyslexic, so I just thought I was stupid because that was kind of what I was told. Um, but um, as my um, primary school progressed, um, wasn't entered into any exams or couldn't progress any further. But then when I went to secondary school, um, I was kind of put into a class for, I don't know, bad behaviour students, maybe, is that what it's called? Oh, it was a, you think back then it was a common myth, really, wasn't it? Like, it's, 
if you weren't, if you if you couldn't do the work, you said, well, it's not like you're sick, didn't they? So, yeah, that's right. And I was told I was stupid by the teachers, not my peers. I wasn't bullied by my peers. My peers were really supportive. It was actually the establishment in the educational system that was wrong. Um, and I left school at 15 with no qualifications because they, the school didn't actually enter me into any exams because they said I couldn't do it. So <laughs> big, big problem there. Yeah, um, don't help much at all, that. <laughs> Yeah, and I kind of didn't really know what, what was wrong with me, but I knew that in my head, I always had stories and poems and things running around in my brain that I wanted to try and get out. Um, and then um, my parents divorced when we were about, I think we were about 16, 15 or 16, because unfortunately they, they didn't get on and there was a bit of um, domestic violence in the household. Um, and my sister and I found ourselves homeless. Um, my sister's a nurse and I'm a, I'm a writer, but um, at 18, I was the woman with the shopping trolley, the black bag. Awful, awful, that is. Dog, and my yeah. dog was amazing. He was called Spanner and he had a pink and blue tongue and he was gorgeous. He, probably, he was pretty, <laughs> probably in hindsight, he was probably the only thing he kept you going then probably, wasn't he? You were that lady yeah, with he was, he was, he was my rock, rock, really. I had two bags. I remember it very clearly. I had two bags and I was trying to move from one squat to another with my shopping trolley and bags and my dog. And all I was thinking about was, I hope my dog's okay. Has he got enough food? Is he all right? Is he clean? Is he healthy? And I wasn't bothered about myself. I just wanted to know that he was okay. Um, and, and then eventually I um, met this guy. I was walking along the high street. I'm originally from Brighton, but I live in Megway in Kent now. Oh, you're in Brighton, are you? Which part of Brighton were you from originally? I, I, I love I Brighton. Lived, I, oh, yeah, it's great. I live near um, Elm Grove, near the level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly where yes. that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I used to. I, I used live... to. Have, I used to know somebody that lived in Kemp Town. So, and also, my oh, best yeah, mate, yeah, one best mates, my best mates lives in Hove or didn't live in Hove. So, oh, yeah. so that's why. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know well around there. Yeah, I've lived all over Brighton, so I know I know Camp Town, you know, everywhere in Brighton, Hove, all of it. <laughs> oh yeah. And um, and then at eighteen, I I kind of got involved with a lot of sort of political activism, I suppose you'd describe it as, and I met a lot of like-minded people and very supportive people. But when I was um, walking along the high street, I saw this guy look really dishevelled. He had sort of holes in his jacket and papers falling out of his bag. He looked a bit of a mess, to be honest. Oh, God, yeah. We, we kind of got talking. I think I had my dog with me and we kind of got talking. So the dog, he went up to the dog and, um, and he knew straight away that I was intelligent and I was dyslexic. And yet he wasn't an expert, but he, he turned out to be a professor of law at the University of Sussex. I think he's wow. since done that. At the time yeah. he, was, he was there, because he was an older guy then. Um, and uh, he said, I will mentor you. I will help you. Oh, fantastic. I told him that I didn't have any exams and I wanted to be a writer, but I really didn't know what direction or how to get into it because my dyslexia, because every time I tried to do something, I just get, oh, your spelling's rubbish, or you can't do that. Oh, don't you know what full stop is? You know, all that kind of stuff. Very, very dyslexic, actually. Um, and so he mentored me and I passed exams. I passed my GCSEs. I passed A-levels. And I went to university and I got a 2-1 one 
law degree with honours. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. That that must have took, that must have took some work that for yourself. Because I think yeah, if you're dyslexic and dyspraxic and all that, and drunk, the, dis, the, the numeric one, which we could work out the pronunciation on the form. Max Burke's everybody that. But like I know when I was at uni, I worked, and you would have been exactly the same. I worked probably twice as hard as everybody else did, and I got a high two two on mine. So you just do keep. I think you get that drive, don't you, if you're dyslexic and dyspraxic? Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that comment because I I was in the library till nine o'clock till we got kicked out, um because I had to work longer because I was re and I'm sure you have the same experience, but I was rereading texts over and over again, and because the first read you just haven't got any clue what you're reading, yeah. um so I just. Yeah, I did, I, I did that. And I, it was my peers who were actually really supportive and would explain things and break things down for me on, on, the, on the whiteboard. Um, and because it, I didn't understand quite a lot of it, but I managed to, <laughs> to do it. Um, and I didn't get any help. I, I had no extra time or anything like that. Did you not have it at all? God, I'm amazed on that one. No, I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't diagnosed at that time. Ah, um, yes, yeah, came later than you. Yeah, it was only when I went into work and I, I qualified as a, um, I did a writing course as well, and I qualified as um, a lawyer and a writer. Um, and it wasn't until I was in work where I was having a problem with um, uh, difficulties in my professional life with um, discrimination, really. But I um, became, got the diagnosis, and that's when they told me I was dyslexic, dyspraxic and dyscalculus so for anyone who doesn't know dyslexia affects reading and writing and spelling and sequencing and working memory etc dyscalculia affects maths ability and dyspraxia affects coordination it's a heck of a whammy that one we know we said that off night before i've got two of them but i'm pretty i'm good at mathematics i know i am so question i'm gonna ask you about this generally for yourself i know in my case i think i can if you say it comes down to heritage of the genes in your family doesn't it like I know in my case, my mum's, we, we reckon my mum's got it. Me, me and my brother and sister do. We never taught her to go to tests, but I've seen what she's like for spelling. <laughs> it's, it's definitely my yeah. mum. Is, is there any well, history in your family, do you reckon? I, I think I absolutely agree with that. And there is some um, figures that confirm that, I think, there's data. My sister and I are twins, and she's, her writing's like five-year-olds. It's appalling. Was oh, it really? God. Really bad. But she's a nurse. She can do medicine. She can, you know, she's got a job that um, is frontline working. Um, and with, with me, I think it was my mother, because my mum, she was absolutely excellent at English. She was brilliant. And she was also a poet and entertainer. But um, she was useless she couldn't do maths she couldn't even do it at all and i'm not sure whether that's psychological because in her day they had the cane and all that sort of yeah. middle-aged rubbish um and um she she every time she got some wrong she was caned oh, poor girl. Not sure whether that was psychological because she just couldn't do it she could work it do her normal pay her normal bills and things like that all her life she couldn't do maths at all but she could spell and yeah she was brilliant in English so some people it's like that doesn't it like you say you're good yeah. at math I, yeah. I, I can't do any of it what also gets me is like I can, table. what I can also I'm really good at is and I've never been trained to play the piano 
and he played like it's like just like I've definitely trained it. I've got, I've got a keyboard and the flat. I'm, I'm I'll frequently go and just play it in front of the partner that's doing that says to me after I've recorded it. Have you done that? She looks at me like amazed. Like nothing, no training. It just seemed to click sometimes. Then it with some skills. I think when you're yeah. dyslexic, you, I think your brain your brain operates in different ways. I think you, you look. You your your brain. Like your brain is more creative. There's figure, there's data that actually confirms that. I'm just going to ask you about that because I thought you'd been up on that more than I am. Is this someone like dyspraxic people and dyslexic? Some of the most ten percent average people in the country. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one in five, one, one in five, seven. Yeah. That are more creative. Um, and I I started learning the violin because I wanted to um, push myself to learn. I I haven't got the time or devotion to learn it all the time, but I I can play. A on the violin and, and music and maths is, is, is kind of interlinked with the counting of the number of the notes um, so I did struggle with that big time but I can still get a tune I can read music and stuff like that but it's not it's not great you know it's not yeah no no of course but the thing is no no I've trumpeted bands before now and they might they used to be running joke with me in bands Andrew when I've done three rounds of chordies you come in I'll still sit down when we get to six. <laughs> so it's it's no way. It's what it is. I'm a nightmare. Yeah. I don't know that. That's that's kind of why I I for many years now I branded myself as Sam Rap dyslexic poet because I wanted to highlight neurodiversity and raise awareness because you know to put a very crude example you can I've got a friend who's got cerebral palsy I know he's disabled because he's mm. different walking has got mobility issues and he uses a walking frame but most people will see me and think oh well she's okay no problem no issues at all but yeah I do have a disability so it's it's really about raising that awareness and and when you go into schools and you see children and, and unfortunately last year I went into a school where the teacher said those children are no good they won't help they won't they won't do anything because I asked them just to write some stories and play and poetry and I explained what it was and and I just wanted they're only about eight to ten years old so just oh, a bit of fun kids. and and these kids were just totally isolated and I went over to them and I said no we're all inclusive here and I'd like you and I have a big sign that says Sam Mac dyslexic poet and they'd seen that and I said I want you to either write a short play three minutes long a poem and I told them what that was or a story or you can just do a picture and tell me what you're saying whatever you feel comfortable with and this group of lads they were absolutely fantastic they all concentrated they all um, when it got to their time I said okay what are you doing we're doing a play I said okay and then they all got in like a circle in the middle Ooh, let's get rid of that one of them was in the middle and um, and uh, they were sort of pointing at each other going, ah, oh, you're dyslexic, you're dyslexic, you're dyslexic. And I thought, oh, this is going terribly wrong. This is really bad. But actually, it wasn't, because what happened next was one of the kids came out from nowhere and said, don't you, don't you say that about my friend. He's got a disability, he's got dyslexic, and he's creative, and he's amazing. I just couldn't believe what they'd done. So they challenged bullying, and they challenged disability. It was fantastic. Good. That's good because I know when you were in the back of my generation at that age, that, that wasn't there. And the amount of rubbish I yeah. took because of my eyesight was ridiculous at the time. It, wasn't. it does scar okay. you unless you're fled to fight back. And I've always fought in the fighting. So, but yeah, I get you completely with that. Now, I want to ask you next about your 
first poetry performers at Brighton Festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was quite. What made you want to? Yeah, what made you want to do that then? Um, I kind of um, I went along, and um, there was quite a lot of people there I knew, and they they said, "Oh, we heard that you joined a writing group. Would you like to perform at the festival?" So I said, "Oh, all right then," but I'm not really confident. I've never actually performed um poetry before and i was only about 17 or 18 um and i said well i've written a poem about the environment um so perhaps i could do that and they said yeah do that and it was just in this like massive big marquee poetry tent there was loads of people in there. I was hoping there was only going to be no one <laughs> god um, yeah i've done that before now <laughs> and um it was packed and so they they introduced me and i just went up and i read my poem and and that's kind of how it came a lot about and I really enjoyed it and so I thought I'm going to carry on doing this so um, it just shows you like I said all those years later you're still carrying on but you do like I think if you get into it at a certain age it just expands in various directions doesn't it so like yeah. when you make a career not in a track I do so much stuff that's not poetry nowadays and it's, everything's gone it's like natural progression isn't it so yeah absolutely and, and although I had a bit of a break from like performing and stuff I I was still writing I've got reams of diaries where I just write and and stories and various poems and goodness knows what so I was still actually active writing and it wasn't until I moved to Medway probably what 10 years ago now roughly um that I started to um yeah I, I want to do this so I, I looked around for a group and there wasn't really anything going on and I, I started to try and do something myself and then nothing was really happening and and then there was a, a, a group I found that were doing things and so I just started to go along and and um, perform and now there's loads of groups and loads of um, places that you can perform in in Kent, London, all over the country. I mean, I it's been, has been, it's been. I think you're definitely right. It's been a massive explosion. I've noticed it. I've been active for 15 years or so now, and yeah. you're right. This is so much stuff going on in everywhere, yeah. isn't it? A particular now we're in lockdown. There's so many nights going on. I'm doing Zoom and stuff, isn't there? So, like, I go yeah. to a couple of them every month. It's, you meet so many, so many different people all the time. Definitely yeah, it's one. lovely. And you build up a lovely network and all the people I've met have just been absolutely fabulous. They're so supportive, so lovely, and everyone's really friendly. And, and I've been to some gigs in London where, you know, they do all this with the fingers and all that, and um, it's absolutely packed out. And I just go on my own, and by the end of it, you, you, you've got new friends. It's fantastic. I think you do. It's like... I learned that when I first started going to it myself about 15 odd years ago. It took me a while to get the confidence to start talking to people. But when you do, you get the new people coming all the time. I try not, I speak to everybody. When I'm particularly on running nights now, like people are coming in, you don't know, and I think, right, I better get my word in. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to say hello to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's so nice. It's so nice that people are so supportive. Yeah. Now, what else you next about your book as well? Your debut book, yeah. Rant Dyslexic uh -huh. Me. Now, hey, look at that. Now, anyone can't see this. Sam's actually pulled the book out and I've show it in front of you. So, when did the book? When did the book first come out, Sam? I've got. I've not got a date yeah, for must that. Be, must, must be about two years now because I'm yeah, writing my second one. So yeah, it was my dream to actually write um, a 
book on my poetry, Rant Dyslexic Me. It's published by Whiskey and Beards Publishers, and they're a local publisher in. I've heard them. I've heard of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They they do really good stuff, actually, and and very, very supportive. Um, And if you look at the font, your listeners won't be able to see, but the font is dyslexic friendly. Yeah. we looked at that and also my next book, I think it's going to be orange because my actual dyslexic colours are orange. So I always put a t-shirt on saying Samrat Dyslexic Poet in orange because I, I can't really see very well with the black and white. It doesn't really work for me, but the orange colour does for some reason. <laughs> I'm bizarre because when the job I do, um, I'm a civil servant. I've altered out, myself now. Anyway, I might edit that. <laughs> but um, they've set mine all up and, and black and white at work and I'm on computers. That seems to work better than me at work. Yeah, bizarrely enough. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's strange. I mean, my, my computer for, for work, so I've got a part time job two days, is it two days, two and a half days a week? Because um, the rest of the time, obviously, I'm writing. It's, um, it's set up as read and write software with orange in the background so it helps oh, right. cool. spelling and grammar and then i've got a different color for the text and that really helps me because otherwise I'd, I'd never do anything i was going to ask you next how you how you how you got the, that book organized then so was it for the software helped you a lot then was it yeah the software and also the publisher he, he i just i just basically wrote all, all, got all the poems to him and he, he really helped me because i i'm not very good with see i'm sure you find the same but I, i'm not very good with sequencing or oh. order i don't understand it really so i can do i can do it a lot because i've had a lot of training in it i suppose but i get his words i get the wrong places and the amount of times yeah. i've yeah. gone to stage i can't memorize jack shit basically and i go on stage <clears> and i'm stood there with a poem and I think, oh bollocks i've wrote this completely <laughs> down wrong <laughs> and then i'm stumbling a bit round so it's it does happen, doesn't it? So. Yeah, I think we all I think we all do that. Um, we've all been there. I, I've stood on stage and I've just forgotten the first line. And I thought, oh, because I, um, I did Edinburgh for the first time last year. Oh, God. Yeah, I, was that, yeah. I did spot that on the notes. How did that go then? Tell us about Edinburgh next. Yeah, it was really good. I, I wrote a show called The Amazing Dyslexic Poetry Show. Um, Edinburgh was a baptism of fire. It was an amazing experience, and I had really good and um, really good audiences, um, and people were really um, supportive. Um, and people from all different places in the world just came, and it was great. Um, had um, a really good venue where they do all the sort of dancing, so there was quite a lot of um, people that could see my posters and things like that. It's very hard to promote but I loved it. And I was actually due to go this year again with the show, but they, they canceled it, but I was also going to take a couple of my plays um, and they canceled it. So next year, because I'm sure like most people in the creative industry, all their gigs are kind of canceled this year. This oh. year's wiped off. So, <laughs> so next year. Yes. So next year, I think everything's going to be busy. (laughs) Next year's going to be frantic for everybody. That's why I'm using this year to do loads of writing and (laughs) look at it from a different way of thought. So, Um, talking about your plays, I know one of your plays was toured in Gibraltar, wasn't it, in 2018? Tell us next about that. Yeah, and that's a play that actually devised out of a poem I wrote. Um, I read an article about um, the boy soldiers in the First World War <clears throat> and it was quite close to where 
um, my mother was living in Shoreham where this soldier was executed at the age of 17 um, because he was shell-shocked and so he ran away because he was frightened and in those days they they basically the, the British Empire killed him so uh, yeah um, so they if you deserted you were executed so he was only 17 and then there was others there was one at 16 there was one at 19 and it kind of spurred me on to write something so i wrote a poem called 18 all about this soldier in the first world war and from that i wrote the play and the play is called innocence and it's about a group of um three friends one of whom is dyslexic um, who decide to go and sign up for the war because they think it would be a laugh because in those days they didn't realize the horror that was due to come <clears throat> because they didn't understand they just had a lot of propaganda from Kitchener and from all the promotional material <clears throat> and they thought it would just be a laugh to go and it's a story about their journey in, in the First World War and I took it to it won an award <clears throat> in Megway and as a result of winning that award, it won the Judges Award, the Adjudicators Award. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. It, it then was toured in Gibraltar and it went to Gibraltar and it, and it got nominated for six awards and won two, I think, from the top wow. of my head. Wow. Now, now well, is it correct that parts of this show on television as well? Yes. Yeah. Gibraltar TV interviewed me and some of the actors. And um, it was shown on Gibraltar TV, yeah, as part of this wow. drama festival. Fantastic. <laughs> well done, well done. Brilliant. Amazing. I know my, I'd, I'd have been in cloud nine for weeks after that one. I bet you've got oh, I, think I, still, I think I, I just couldn't believe it. And, and the guys at the TV place who came out to interview us, they were so down to earth and so nice. And they weren't like some of the horror stories you hear. <laughs> they oh, were just God, yeah. down to earth people. And we had quite a laugh, you know, they were yeah. great. <laughs> I, you get a case when I, in my case whenever I go on like radio stations up and down the mansion a bit beyond they get to say people know what I'm like because I'm obviously when I'm talking to yourself people like yourself I'm being respectful I will cut in a bit if you get me on local radio I'll chat away all day long like that I don't care <laughs> I'm, I'm the same I go on my local radio a lot and um, they all know me there now and um, they're so supportive of my work um, and it's just fantastic. In fact, I gave some of the poems to some of my poems to some of the producers because they wanted the copy, you know, of it. So it was just great. And they're so supportive. They're really nice people. We do have a laugh. It's great fun. Now, obviously, I want to ask you next about your one woman show, the amazing dyslexic poetry show. And which obviously with that, and I know it was at the Farisham Fringe Festival 2018. Tell us about yeah. where the idea for your one woman show came from. Then. What made you? No, uh, might better to ask you why you wanted to do it in a better way. Um, probably why, because I decided that neurodiversity wasn't really being raised as an issue. And I wanted to make people aware about what neurodiversity is and that you can achieve anything in your life. And, you know, remember I was, <clears throat> I was homeless, I was struggling, I was on the dole. And yet I was lucky enough to meet that guy who helped. But I just felt that if I can actually spread the message more and actually say to people, look, yes, I'm dyslexic, I've got this disability, but I and it doesn't stop you from doing whatever you want to do. So if you want to be a, 
I don't know, a high court judge or a film director or walk on the moon, you can do it. And I, and I just wanted to raise all these awareness about it. So I'm writing a one woman show um, about um, dyslexia and a lot of my poems are all about dyslexia as well as other subjects. Um, I'm just going for a journey with what it's like to be dyslexic. It's a bit of talking, a bit of fun. I don't, it's not doom and gloom. It's a bit of, um, a bit of comedy, you know, it's about me. So I kind of laugh at myself. <laughs> it's a, it's just about people trying to do it that way. Like, cause I think people ought to have respect in doom and gloom sort of show, but it's not. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I'm halfway writing a book about the diabetes and there's some heavy topics in it. There's also like some some of the lighter sides in it as well. You do, it's human. It's part of human yeah. nature, I think, isn't it? It's how you do it. So. Yeah, you you got to you got to have a bit of fun with it, and and um and I and I kind of take the mick out of myself really, and and I just think, well, if if I can sort of say, yeah, well, I didn't understand that topic, or I was in this meeting, and I ain't got a clue what they're talking about. I think it's a bit funny because you know you 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 can sort of sort of yeah, I'm nodding, I'm nodding, I'm understanding, but I don't actually understand. So. You know. <laughs> And then you go away and write a poem about it. And I, I wrote a poem about a conversation I had <clears throat> with someone who didn't know what dyslexia was, and which is fine, you know, not everyone there's so many things, not everyone knows what that is. And um I I just wrote about a conversation, like a monologue about my discussion with well, I'm dyslexic. And he says, Oh, what's that then? And just make it a bit of fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The idea of a show. I don't want yeah. people to be like this coming out with a violin or you know the, the knife um i just want to feel that they've been entertained and it's it's good fun yeah. that's way now do you have a sort of ideas what you where you want to go next to your creativity yeah i mean i've got i'm writing my second book of poetry i'm also writing a and my second book is also about dyslexia but other things as well so I'm, i've got nature i've got war i've got politics i've got you know, writing about a rose or a field or whatever, um, and people, um, you know, obviously lockdown, um, and um, I've written all about that in the book. Um, it's still going to be called something dyslexia, I can't remember what I've called it now, but something like that. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm also writing a short story, or I suppose like a, a novel, but not the 175,000 word type. It's like going to be more like um, a shorter novel, half novel, if you like. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and I'm writing a thriller um, based on a person who's dyslexic. And, um, and I'm also writing uh, another play based on an uh, interesting story from Venezuela. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm still got lots of ideas in my head and I'm planning all those, plus doing poetry performances plus writing more plays and plus um, doing Edinburgh and preparing for my shows and festivals for next year and as well as my creative writing workshops, going into schools, colleges and making people aware of, of just having, because sometimes you can do a workshop and it's quite technical, but I just want it to be fun. So if somebody wants to write about metaphor or alliteration or whatever it happens to be, or sonnets or whatever they can do but let's put it down to the ground level so everybody has 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 an equal shot yeah yeah perfect okay that was great that now okay 
if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Um, I'm on everything, I think. Um, <laughs> um, Sam Rapp, the dyslexic poet on Facebook. Yep, I found just, just found that before, yeah. Yeah, Sam Rapp, dyslexic, I think it says dyslexic on LinkedIn. Sam Rapp, uh, dyslexia, I think on Twitter. And Sam Rapp, dyslexia, I think on Instagram. Um, also, um, I think it's, I think that's all of them, I think. Um, and obviously Fun With Words Productions on Facebook, that's my creative writing um, workshop site. Um, also, I should just mention, because I almost forgot, is that I'm doing a shout out. So all your listeners who are writers, please, please submit. <laughs> I'm doing a shout out for um, Get Writing for the NHS. It's been quite well publicised. Um, and it's to do with um, an anthology that I'm putting together with um, various writers who will submit their work um, and what the NHS means for, to people. Because I, I was inspired to do this by my sister, who's a frontline worker and she's just recovering from COVID. So it's really about what people want to write. And it's a wide definition. So it's not, you've got to write this. It's, it's whatever your, the theme is, um, NHS. And it's going to be put into a book called Made in Medway and Everywhere, an anthology, and any funds will go to the NHS. When's the closing date for this one, Sam? Uh, end of June. I did extend it from the end of May, so end of June, really. So um, please get writing, please. The, the podcast, <laughs> unfortunately, we're going to, I think the podcast is actually scheduled a little bit later, unfortunately. So, but, but um, when's, the, when's the book out? When, what plans you got? Uh, the, book, the book will be out, um, it, well, I'm hoping for a launch later in the year, sort of November, December, depending on the COVID situation. I'd rather do it as a face-to-face -face launch if I can. Um, if people listen to the podcast and they think they're going to be late submitting, just submit and I will have a look at it anyway. So yeah. don't worry about that. The deadline is kind of a guide, so just just submit, just throw it in. Everyone, throw them in. If the podcast gets released in September, throw them in. <laughs> You'll love you for it. Yeah, throw them in. Doesn't matter. I just have to be busy. I just have to be busy. Well, I certainly will keep you busy. Book. That's perfect. <laughs> Okie dokie, Sam. What we'll then do is that's all my questions today for the brilliant chat. We'll take a quick break, let you get yourself prepared, okay. and I know you're going to do a few poems first, so I'm looking forward to hearing. So hang around, everybody, and Thank you again, Sam. It's been a pleasure today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank See you, you all in a minute. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Spot Hi, guys. Now, it's the part of the podcast I like now. Straight over to Sam. I'm not going to be shutting up all the time, but she's doing most of the talking now. <laughs> over to you, Sam, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you, Andy. And it's a pleasure, as I said. But And the first poem I'd like to do for you is called My World. And it's um, really about what it's like to be dyslexic. Um, so here we go. My world is upside down. My world is orange with squiggly black texts. My world is different to yours. My world is cruel. My world is dancing on an upside down sun, staring at the moon and touching them both in unison to a tune that makes no sense. My world has ink spread on pages the wrong way round. My world is a mess as I try to calculate on fingers up to 10. My world is undressed. My world is impressive, fun and full of laughter. 
my world sees things differently. My world is chaotic, but organized in my mind, as I know what I want to say. The words come out in my own conventional way, style as well. My world sees beauty, large trees stretching on lined lawns, where leaves are sprinkling and birds pecking. My world has brick walls as numbers bypass me. My world doesn't follow structure. My world has its own clock, like trains on a track. Listen, you can hear as nature's heart beats back. My world is okay. My world is dyslexic. My world is dyspraxic. My world is dyscalculate. My world is perfect, just for me. Thank you. Fantastic. That's, that's a really good way, great way to let people get to know what you like as a person there. It, it's very, um, you know, it's, like, it's very like um, chatty, isn't it? Almost like a very chatty sort of warm style to that. So yeah, excellent. I'm glad you did that one. Okay, you want to go, go for number two? Yeah, I've got um, one called Maths. It's called, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't do maths. Numbers don't work in my head. I don't allow them to get out of bed. I mean, what are they? They don't get on with me and I don't get on with them. Huh. We are not friends. So why is it that there are amicable numbers. I'm not amicable with you. I don't do maths. Why are there cardinal numbers? Is it to do with religion? And if so, what are cardinal numbers? I don't do maths. Last but not least, scatter plots. It sounds like murderous lots. No wonder I don't understand it because I don't do maths. Thank you. Really, that's a really good performance one. That hey, do you do that one at schools? Do you that one? It's got a sort of a crossover. Yeah, it's got a crossover feel on. I can see you doing that one on open mic or a part of the show. Yeah, also, it's, it's one I that do. was good on one school straight away. Brilliant. Yeah, I do. I do lots of um, uh, different ones um, in relation to the schools um, because it, it it just you just want to show that you can do anything, but maths. They, they don't make maths easy, um, but that's why I wrote I don't do maths because just calculate, I don't. <laughs> Fair play to you. My philosophy is I don't do maths. I won't say I don't do maths. I don't want to do maths. That's better in my case sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, an, Number three. Then. Another one. Um, this is called um, Allington Lock. And I've been doing quite a lot of cycling and I found this place and it's beautiful. So I thought I'd write about it. It's quite short. For people that don't know, where's Allington Lock? Allington Lock is in Medway. It's on the Medway River. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's along the river and it goes for miles. It goes to a place called Tunbridge in Kent. Um, so from Maystone to Tunbridge, it's about 50 miles probably. I didn't cycle. Oh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking under, looking up online because I'm, I'm always a good researcher. Yeah, yeah it looks How did you find out about this place? Or by chance? Um, I went. Um, I just found. Um, I just go off on my own sometimes, and I just turned. I thought, oh, that looks good down there, and I saw the river, and I just found it. Looks <laughs> yeah, so, great. It's great. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> I love yeah, walking myself. So I so just, 
Yeah, so I just wrote, I just thought I'd write Allington Lock, so this is it. Um, a mighty roar greeted me, a white fury, tumbling, turning, spinning, mashing, smashing, trying to escape, stuck in one place. The huge locking mechanisms restricts your space. Then a small boat comes, called sea baby kayakers, and those who stand up to paddle, some on blown up can canoes, have fun in the sun. You beg to run free. It's not meant to be. The voice of the river roars. It's never silent. She is wild today. Yeah, no, no, again, excellent. That um, one's more like a that's more like a page poem, that one, isn't it? Because it's a different tone. I don't think it's as yes. obvious as a performance piece, that one's on. No, excellent. I really saw it. Yeah. Um, I've got, I think I've got another one called Don't Diss Me, spelt D-Y-S. And it's really about, um, I'm just because I've got a hidden disability, don't treat me differently. And so it's called Don't Diss Me. And it was published um, for Learning Disability Pride. Um, here we go. Don't diss me. Yes, I have dyslexia. Dyscalculia, dyspraxia. Don't diss me. I learn at a different pace to you, but I think differently. Creativity with colours for all. I see pictures in my mind from trees. Don't diss me. As I write slowly, my words and letters round the wrong way. But what is the correct way? Don't diss me. Shakespeare didn't use grammar with his first folios. The acting fellows just knew their cue and the play would be performed to cheering crowds. So don't diss me. If I don't know my left and right, does that mean I have no wit? I dance in my own unique way. Don't diss me. If I cannot count sums and times tables are unkind to me, but I am able to budget my accounts, I don't need to learn a song of numbers to be accepted, do I? Don't diss me. I am alive, like a fish running through water and a horse prancing, flaking up mud into the atmosphere. I have a learning disability, but can still write and paint pictures of harmony with the sea. Sing to the skies as the clouds are jumping in a jamboree. Climb the bend, abseil in the sunset on the glen, and smell the purple heather on my boots as I land on the ground intact. Don't diss me. As I am unique, I don't need your input or critique. <laughs> Love the rhythm, man. The repetition works really, really well there, and that it does. Like it's, in, oh, I mean, thank you. you know, it does go like it's. When you're writing poems, sometimes the repetition that you write can heighten the sense of the poem. You've done that spot on there. Great stuff. Oh, thank you. I've got I've got another one about um, learning disability week, um, which is this week, um, and it's called friendship. Uh, when I last saw you, we shared laughter with those photos of your family. You smiling so proudly. Do you remember? We signed up together. The excitement of new clothes, the mud over our boots in the trenches. We wait. Then the order came and we both fell over the top. We were so drained, our rifles heavy from the mud clinging and rain. Friendship. You put your arm around me. Keep your head down, you said to me, as the shells flew above us in skies that had no blue. We were always good mates, sharing a beer or two. Friendship. I look forward to seeing you when you helped on the farm. I needed a ferry for my old copper horse. 
We always had a, yes, of course, friendship. You shielded me from so many bullets. I saw you fall. I know you are buried out there on the sun somewhere. My friendship to you is living. Although I can't read and write very well, you never judged. You just sat and talked me through it. All I see is you in my mind, reading out the words you were so kind. Sometimes my mind is unkind when I struggle to read a small postcard and think of you. I stand here alone. I so miss you, as now I have no one to help me read, count my numbers on missing fingers, and X marks my spot, as I have no friend to help me. Friendship is so important to me. I stand here again. Raise a glass for you next year, my old true friend. Thank you. Really. Again, what I like about that is each one of your pieces was made is very different. And that's one from that one that you stash from your show, that piece, isn't it? I'm guessing. It, it, yeah. it feels like it's, it's like a poetic monologue, mainly. You know, really, really got ahead of the character. Then. Great stuff. Well, thank you. I, 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 I've got another one if you want me to read it. Yeah, do, cool. do, we'll do one more. Okay, so Kat, this yeah. is the big conclusion. Then, right? Okay. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit longer, but it's, it's called My Journey with Dyslexia, and it's really about about me um, and my journey through dyslexia and how sometimes it can be difficult and sometimes it can be not so difficult. So it's called my journey with dyslexia. I was once a newborn, a face full of innocence. There was no hate, no love, no gender, colour, identification. I was just a newborn creation. I knew how to cry when hungry or unwell. I was never scorned. I was clothed and fed well. As I grew, I knew I was different. Others in class managed to understand things, but I struggled, so pitied and mourned. I was scorned. They wrote answers in exercise books, but I had a gift that was special just for me. It would take me on journeys out to sea, to other countries and cultures. I would be traveling to a village in Scotland where folklore stories were daydreaming in my head. A good and bad witch, a wizard riding a rainbow-coloured whale in the skies. Another story, interrupted by the teacher's waving hand. I, I had to stop and land or I would have crashed into boiling oil bubbling in soil. Back to maths and grammar I would go. But my head, I was the wizard riding fast ahead. The pot would be half-written as the bell would ring. I was singing words and trying to forget another class that I dread, science, physics. I would have to go, but I would be escaping, galloping and jumping clouds, kissing raindrops as they fell. I don't understand grammatical structure or the sequencing of numbers. All this was strange to me, but I could write stories that filled my head. They wanted me to be something I could never be instead. I left school with emptiness of exams, but I had stories. My characters were my friends, my wizard and magical places that only I could see, a bear and birds in different colours, all in harmony. There were large lakes where stardust was sprinkled gold late until dusk. I'm an explorer, climbing an unclimbed mountain, a champion swimmer, a mother, a brother, an animal saviour, and no one would die from wars or starvation, as my friends were warriors for causes and so many nations. I had all these traits, yet at 18, told I was no good. 
because I couldn't pass an exam. I just couldn't hope to pass, like being asked to taste wine just because it's expensive. I'm not a scientist, but I have a creative mind, a soul of love like a thousand flying doves spreading peace upon the world. I did my exams at my own pace, my own level of learning. My stories are still in my head, but I no longer dread because I am living my dreams and my friends are leaving the nest as they are alive and written abreast. Be positive. Like the rivers that flow into the seas, they will flow into the seas. Be positive. Like the sun that will always set and the moon that will shine. Be positive. That you can achieve because to be positive is an achievement. Remember, you are unique. You are different. My journey with dyslexia has had its moments, but I am confident. I'm positive. I am what I want to be. Yeah, this is me. I'm dyslexic. Thank you. Fantastic. And a great way to finish off that, Sam, because I think you took it, took it full circle. You told us to about yourself at the beginning. You finished off a longer one, but don't cut you on your journey itself. It's a great way to finish off that session today. Really, thank you. It's been fantastic today. I learned about myself today as well, listening to you as well. So, thank you uh, for that. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And, yeah, uh, you, you can tell you have, and brilliant. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, when lockdown is over, we can see each other in person. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're definitely sourced well out with that one. Definitely. So, hang around. I need a quick word off mic. Well, this is Andy N. Signing out. So, thank you again. Take care, guys and girls. Stay safe and stay sane if possible. I'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Bye. Spock on me.